When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What if I told you everything you know about the world is wrong? Dear Lord, what if I told you that all the things I believe to be impossible are in fact very much possible? Ah, reality is not what you think it is. It is so much more complicated fascinating and above all lord is terrifying we're at the fringes of the map and there's more than just dragons in your name i pray amen you crack the door open as soon as you do the outside noise it's so fucking loud the rain is beginning to clear up but there's still enough that it's the rain it's the sound of the train it's the blaring wind it is all so loud. There is no response, but y- it's so loud, you're not even sure that someone could have heard you. Okay. I look back. Oh, did you, like, poke your head out or anything? It, it's like, you know, you crack the door open half, and then you, like, go to shout around the door. Trying not okay. to have as much in view, but the door, right. like, protecting a lot of me. But if I get no answer, then I'm going to wait a couple seconds. Just so that you know the coal car, what the coal car looks like. It's kind of that stereotypical open air one. Imagine just like a bucket full of coal with the train in front. All right. I wait a couple seconds. No response. Nope. Okay. I holster my guns. Okay. Like they're they're not being held and I have my hands up. I look back at Edwards. I nod and I walk out of the train with my hands up. The coal car is tall enough that you cannot see over it, so you can't see into the train ahead of you. There's two little ladders on either side so that you can climb up and get into the coal car. All you can see is the coal car in front of you, the that bucket, and then a little mound of coal on top. Uh, well, I, I go out and try and keep my back to whatever surface is possible, and I try to say the same thing again and see if there's a response. But I'm, I'm yelling. There's still no response. Okay. I... Dip around to try and go to the front. Still have my hands out. Uh, what do you mean you dip around to go to the front? Like, side? is there any way to go around or do I need to go up and over? No, you got to climb. Yeah. All right, then I'm going to climb. And then when I'm at the top, I have my hand up to try and wave of like someone's coming and trying to be as as passive as possible. And I try to go over. Still, still saying this on repeat. You call that out as you climb up over the lip. Looking down, the coal kind of forms a little bit of a uh, like a slope heading down into the... You can see the open back part of the train car. In the back part of the train car, the first thing you see is presumably Olivia and Emilio. They're both wearing kind of like... over, Unlike the regular crayon uniform, which is this like crisp white shirt, sometimes with a black blazer over it, a nice white matching skirt or pants, depending on the person... These two people are wearing just like dirty overalls, like a shirt underneath, uh, and maybe each of them have like a like a helmet, like a helmet with a strap designed to stay on when they're uh, when they're in this kind of like open air environment. Are they in the like that blue pinstriped denim that train conductors? Yeah, wear? I fucking love that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. One of them pauses when you come over the edge. Actually, you think that she was paused 
well before you came over the lip. She has a shovel in her hands, and you can see a big bruise on one eye and a bloodied lip. She's looking at you with, like, panic in her face. The other one is at the train itself. He's sitting in the train driver's seat, and you can see he has, like, the controls in front of him. He is similarly looking over his shoulder. You, looking past them, see as you pass a sign, a big metal sign that says Cholula Bridge. Uh, uh, I think it'd be, oh, it'd be in, oh, actually, the Republic of Texas. I get to pick. <laughs> um, the Republic of Texas uses uh, metric. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't know Texas very well. <laughs> They would secede uh, <laughs> just to keep using Imperial. <laughs> the You know what? The Republic of Texas uses, like, old feet or something. Like They use, like, like the English measurement rather than the French They're, measurement or something. Texan something. feet. They're 13 inches because everything's <laughs> bigger in Texas. <laughs> uh, uh, well, all right. Let's say it's it probably, you're right. It probably would be using Imperial. So let's say it's... Um, when you pass the sign, it says a number of miles that would basically mean that you've got 10 minutes. It took 50 minutes to get back here? You're crawling on your hands and knees. Holy you were talking shit. and shit like that. Also, by the way, when I said an hour, that was not an exact amount of time. I see. Shit. That was a guesstimation. That was what we call a GM's hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I- Absolutely, you are not exactly on the schedule you were on previously, and even then, the schedule would have been uh, had a little bit of ge- leeway. You see a nice zoom in dolly out of my face, like hitting realization of like, oh yeah. shit! And so that was the you notice the people, you notice the sign, and then the final thing you notice, the one that stops your fucking heart, is that lying in the coal with a rifle trained on you, is the Frenchman. He has covered himself in soot to kind of blend into the coal around him. He's done a really phenomenal job as well, considering he's just a guy wearing clothes with a just a uh, like a soottened face, maybe like only a couple feet away from you. It was the last thing that you spotted. He hasn't fired, but you see that he's got the rifle trained on you. Seeing the sign, seeing him, I go, I... Just in French, I just want to talk. You've been very reasonable with me lately, uh, so far on this trip. I've been told that a deal was made that nobody on this train will get to its destination because a bridge up ahead that that sign just told me about will not be there and everyone will die. I will make that the most important persuasion presence role of your life. Looking at you, you see he kind of, like, hesitates. He doesn't necessarily outright believe you, but he's not necessarily ready to just shoot you dead just yet. While that happens, Edwards, you need to make the most important wits composure check of your life. Fuck me to death. You hear the rear door open and close, and you can hear two voices. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It has been such an honor for you to escort me. You are such a handsome young man. Well, that guy's dead. Now, I wouldn't necessarily call myself handsome, but I like to think that uh, I consider well, I consider myself uh, traditionally attractive. Perhaps they both share a little laugh. 
You can hear they're walking towards you. All right, just considering how many shots it took to kill that one guy, there's no way that I'm going to put the two of these people down. Um, is there anywhere I can hide? Yeah, there's lots of places you can hide. I would like to hide in the best one as well as possible. <laughs> okay. You conceal yourself inside the safe. <laughs> it's no, it's you, looking at it, I go, not- well, it's called a safe. How could I not be? <laughs> Close the door upon you. Um, you uh, walk into, you go into Miguel's room, Miguel's office room thing. You fold up the desk, you unfold the, the bed, you climb into the bed, and then you manage to push the bed up into position again, closing itself on you. You are just, well, not really closing itself. You're kind of holding it shut. If you were to let go, the bed would spring back into position. So you aren't trapped or anything like that, but... Unless they unfold the bed, they're not going to spot you. That's some Charlie Chaplin nonsense. Yeah. Mm, fuck. Okay, so I know I just had that amazing roll to hide. Yeah. I'm not gonna. <laughs> oh, as the voices get closer, you you release yourself from the bed. I, I, I hold out. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the uh, for for something white, the cloth or whatever. That I tie to the end of my, my handkerchief, and as they get closer... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just so you're aware, uh, there's someone in here. Uh, it's me, Walter Edwards, the noted medium. Uh, good evening, Mr. Clanton, uh, Miss Baptiste. Step yourself out here now, scoundrel. I don't believe I'll be doing that. Um, you should both know that this train is going to fall off the cliff. We've all been double-crossed. And I'm not going to let either of you hurt my friend while he tries to save us all. I don't know what you're getting on there, man, but you best step out now before I lay you out. All right, fuck. I'm reaching out right now. I'm focusing all of my intention on him to try to trace to somebody some name that'll make him fucking listen to me. You feel like the material world... Disappear behind you, and you can tell that you are now standing in the spiritual world once again. You reach out, uh, you like try to form a connection with him. It's difficult because you're not touching him, but you through kind of because the material world kind of forms like a smoky, ashy, slightly translucent effect. So you can see the figures of Genie Baptiste and obviously the fake Marshal standing and you see a set of hands appear behind and then place themselves on his back you see this figure better than you see the fake marshal himself there is a tough a mountain man sort of person massive curly orange beard balding head tucked underneath one arm he has a raccoon skin hat he's got like just furs and stuff like that. You know, the sort of coat that is made, looks like it's made exclusively out of tails. Yeah, I actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can picture what you're talking about. And slung over one shoulder, he has not a rifle, but a musket. Time is of the essence. I need to save as many lives as I can. Who are you to this man? I'm his father. What can I say to him to make him believe what I'm telling him? Tell him that woman ain't nothing but a damn snake in the grass. Okay, less helpful than I would have hoped for, but good to know. (laughs) What's something that only you 
would say to him. Only you could know. I'd tell him he's a fucking piece of shit and he killed his mother. Thank you very much, sir. (laughs) You're back in the material world. Clanton, I do my best impression of that voice that I just heard. (laughs) Clanton, you're a piece of shit and you killed your mother. The fuck did you just say? I'm your pappy, boy. I'm talking to you through this weaselly little pencil prick medium. You're a piece of shit and you killed your mother. That woman with you is a no good snake in the grass. She means you harm and you're gonna come to it because you're too dim to fucking see it. You hear Morgan Clanton for the first time... No, actually, for the first time since... Agent Watson dressed him down. You hear hesitancy in his voice. What do you mean? What? First of all, get you away from that woman and do not take your eyes off her. This lily-livered, fucking monkey-spined piece of city-slicking garbage reached out to me beyond death, and I'm telling you, That woman means you harm, and this train and everyone on it is gonna die. You're a fucking bitch. I'm gonna... Splashes of blood fly past your hiding spot. You see as arterial spray flip, 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 flip. Not in one specific place, just around. They walk past you. Clanton is taking a step back every single time he is struck. He is being torn open. Katie John Baptiste is opening him like a flower. He collapses backwards. His front half, there's like nothing. It looks like he has been put through a blender. Suppose we are heading towards uh, this bridge. Suppose this bridge is out, says the French sniper. This is all uh, largely irrelevant. Do you know where the El Donchetto Man is? Uh, the El Donchetto Man, from my understanding, is the corpse that is in Sir John Crown's room. Uh, however, it is quite destroyed. Oh, God damn it! The French marksman gives a big sigh. He slowly rises to his feet. You can see he has like a little name tag on his uniform. He's been wearing like a coat since that has been partially concealing it or hiding it. You can see, for the first time, his name is Captain Jean Marbot. Captain Marbot says, This is very disconcerting to hear. Uh, who, who destroyed this corpse? Well, the corpse tried to attack Sir John Crown. It then tried to attack Edwards. It took damage during that. Uh, by the time that it was in the car, it was already, what, what's the word, inactive. Yeah, it seems like it was dead by then. Uh, when we were in the car, it was then shot again uh, to make sure it did not attack us. Um, but it took damage at multiple points throughout the day, night. As you're having this conversation, you can see ahead of you, there is a latticework of wood and in parts metal. You're traveling through like a particularly dense section of rocky terrain and forested section. Obviously, this is meant to keep things off the tracks, whether they be trees or rocks or whatnot. It's very open, 
So on one side, there's a lot of like open space and such. So there's not going to be any, uh, you're not going through a tunnel or anything like that, but you're going to need to duck. So you're going to need to move forwards or backwards. Otherwise, you're going to get your head cut off. What would you like to do? Very quickly, I go, uh, there is something that's going to block me. Do you mind if I come towards you or you want me to back up? The marksman slowly moves into a standing position. As he does so, he does not take the rifle off you. He backs up a little bit further into the train car. And you can see for a brief moment, the woman, Olivia, with the shovel, you can see she's like... He's trained entirely on you, and he's backing up into such a position where he's, like, right behind her. Her eyes dart from the back of his head to you to the back of his head to you. I try to give a look of complete surrender to him to give the idea of peaceful negotiation as much as possible. Not, like, giving her a sign to do anything. I am trying my best to be peaceful. She doesn't really seem to understand. That's fine. You step forward so that you're not going to get, you're not going to have your head collide with the top of anything. And then the train <laughs> goes in underneath this structure. I appreciate the light, that. Every now and then, the light, like just because of the, the little struts on the other side, the sunlight is cut off. So you, it's, it's like an effect of flashing or strobing sunlight. While that's happening, the French sniper, as he's backing up as well, says, this is simply too much, Reverend. You have overplayed your hand. It, uh, uh, it does not do for you to simply say that the El Donchetto man attacked someone. The El Donchetto man is a, uh, a, a mummy. It is not alive. Well then, if you would permit me, because again, time is of the essence, so say that I am correct about the train, we will die. If I am not correct about the train, you can lead me back there, and I can show you all the evidence, and you don't need to worry about a timetable. Mm. Mm. He seems to be considering what you're saying. The woman takes a step back. You can see she's kind of like steadying herself. She quite clearly did not understand what you were saying or what you were trying to imply. She is moving around and hefting the shovel in a clearly aggressive stance. She is basically sizing up and ready to smack this guy in the back of the head. I, I'm going to call out and go, stop. No more need for violence. Let's solve this the correct way. All right, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which would you like first? Uh, the good news, but then slightly disappoint me with the bad news. So... Um, there actually isn't any good news. Oh. There's only bad news. Not only does she not get it, like she's obviously so intent now on on her task ahead, she's stopped paying attention to you. Not only does she not notice, but the uh, uh, Captain Marbot, he uh, just the way that the two of you have moved forwards, he can now see shadows on uh, like a cliff face next to you, and you see that he glances at the cliff face and he sees her shadow standing behind him. We're going to go to initiative. Edwards. Yep. Katie, covered in the gore of Clanton, with both of her little, like, wrist blade things exposed, turns around to look at you. It's your turn. There's no reason to rush over here and kill me. We can take it as a fait accompli that I'm about to die, so take your time. This train is going to go off a bridge. You can either stop that happening and we can all get out of here. 
Your prize has been destroyed. Fuck it, I don't have an or or an and or anything. I've just been taking up your time while I opened the window behind me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, beautiful. In my head, I've backed up against it and I've been like jimmying it open as carefully as I can. Okay, well, I'll. uh, she's kind of in a... Uh, for lack of a better term, she's in kind of like a barbarian rage right now. So she didn't. I'm just going to say that you get it open without her noticing. Great. You open the window, but you're not going to be able to climb out this turn. Yeah, right. Uh, Reverend, it's your turn. Uh, I'm going to call out seeing this happen uh, towards the captain and go, She is under duress. Let's just. We need to fix this before we just all die. I don't want anyone else to die, please. And I'm going to be pleading and also talking to the woman behind of just trying to stop it. Captain Marbot swings his rifle around, aims it at the woman with the shovel. And then that's as this is happening, you're having the you're talking at the same time. You see he like his trigger finger wrapped around the trigger instead relaxes. And he pulls the trigger, he pulls his finger out of the trigger guard. He doesn't lower the rifle, but he actually, you can see, both you and the woman can see that he does not mean to fire. It's Katie's turn. Katie lunges forward, <laughs> blood <laughs> screaming at the top of her lungs in pain and perhaps pleasure. She, uh, she, uh, starts cutting at you, Ralph. Does she stab me in the torso? She might. Where my sweet serving tray is hiding? Holy shit, you want to hear the funniest thing? I wrote it down in my notes. I was like, that serving tray is not going to stop a bullet, but I reckon it might turn a knife. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you still will get stabbed, but two damage becomes only one. That means I'm still alive. You take one point of lethal damage as she jams one of them into your torso, sure enough, and you can see she... Like in the in the delirium of pleasure that she is experiencing, you can see there's a like a moment of what as as the blade kind of skips or slides a little bit around on the serving tray. All right, and Edwards, it's your turn. Rather than so, I have a couple of things I could do here. Yeah, I could try to shoot her at point blank range, but like these people, I just feel like they're going to eat gunshots and be fine. <laughs> well, you killed Crown. Yeah. I, I had to shoot him twice, and the Reverend shot him. And then even after <laughs> yeah, that... He was also wounded already. Yeah. So, the only thing I can think of to do... How big's this window? It's... Mm, There's no way two people are getting through it, right? Uh, at the same time? Probably not. No, it's, uh, it's about the size of a computer screen. That was my best plan. My best plan was to wrap my arms around her and just jump us both <laughs> out of it. <laughs> just grab her and chuck her out. There's no, I'm not strong enough for that. But you know what? <laughs> I just don't have a lot of faith in... If I shoot her at point-blank rage and she doesn't die, then I'm going to die. Possibly. Ugh, fuck it. I pull out that, uh, that four-shot Derringer and press it into... Like, I, I just... Start, like I'm pushing towards her rather than trying to get away. I'm yeah. just pressing into her with the gun in between the mm-hmm. two of us. And I look her in the eyes and I just say, the show must go on. And I pull the trigger. You press it into her belly and you try to empty it into her guts. But when you pull the trigger, click, the gun misfires. Piece of shit. 
Uh, <laughs> I would like to weakly say truce. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend, it's your turn. I am. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm using my action uh, Mm -hmm. to continue trying to talk them down and rush the Frenchman of, we are running out of time. We need to stop the train, please. And then in English to the other, to the woman and go, I'm trying to stop the train. Please just let us stop this. Captain Marbot turns to the person at the train driver's seat and he says in perfectly accented Spanish, Stop the train. The man leans over and grabs the brake, pulling it immediately. The train begins to slow down, but an old-fashioned train, it takes a fucking while to slow down. The three people standing up in the train car and in the coal car all kind of like nearly, the three of you nearly fall over, but the train begins to slow down and come to a shuddering stop. You realize now this part of the rail with the the open exposed air on one side and the cliff face on the other, you realize that this is the blind turn. You are on the blind turn. And as the train begins to slowly come around, you see a bridge with a massive gaping hole in the middle. And I point to it and I go, look, the train is stopping, but you do not know if it has enough time. If it slows down enough and there's some land towards the side, that is going to be my next goal of trying to get off the train. I'll be yelling at them to do the same to save their lives. It's open air cliff on one side and cliff face on the other. There's nowhere to jump, unfortunately. Nowhere to go. We should run towards the back and see if we can get off the train in case this is not stopping in time. Let's go. Everyone, well, yeah, everyone certainly starts sprinting towards the rear of the train. While that happens, it's Katie's turn. Katie, with a sizable grin, stares you down, Edwards, and says, It was a pleasure to meet you, but now we must depart. She starts slashing at you again. You take another two points of lethal damage. Well, um, that's a negative one. Well, funny fact, that's actually not death. Oh, great. Now, I know what you're thinking. Full lethal damage. I should die, right? No. (laughs) But Adam, how does full lethal damage work? (laughs) So you've taken enough damage that it's spilled over again? 
So that means you take one point of aggravated and you're full lethal. So you have a negative three to nearly every action. Uh, And in addition to that, you need to make a quick roll to stay conscious. You stay conscious. Every round, you're going to need to make this roll. Otherwise, you will drop unconscious. And every round, you're going to take, until someone performs a medicine check on you, every round, you're going to take another point of aggravated damage until full aggravated is when you die. You are in a condition now where you would need to, in real life, you would need to be rushed to an ICU. It's beyond even just the emergency room right now. Mm -hmm. Edwards, color drains out of the world. You think you feel like the entire world, like a sudden wave of inertia overcomes you, and you feel like everything wavers in front of you for a brief moment, but then through a foggy haze, you realize the train is slowing down. Hmm. Well, I don't, uh, I don't particularly fancy my chances of doing anything. I can't fight. So anything I try to do, I think is going to wind up being like a chance die at this point. A lot of things. Yeah. You could keep trying to, you could, well, she doesn't seem to be really listening to anything that you're saying, but you could try to talk her down. Her hands are pretty close to me because she's stabbing me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ostensibly be trying to hold one of her hands away from stabbing, but using my larceny sleight of hand, I would like to detach her wrist blade. Oh, okay. All right, we're playing. Now we're cooking with gas here. Finally, stealing is fucking beneficial to you. I should have done that earlier. I wasn't thinking good. All right, well... Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Uh, Okay, you... You try fumbling with one, but your the hands, your left hand feels like numb and slow, and you realize you have you do not have as much control over your left hand as you remember having control. So instead, you bring up your left hand as she's just wailing away at you with those wrist blades slashing here, slashing there. You let your left hand just catch the blade, and it instead of stabbing through, it maybe like cuts through your hand a little bit so that you can use your left hand rather as it's numb you don't even feel pain you just let it sit there and then using your right hand you reach underneath with the you remember like a million times before removing a wristwatch from a lady's arm you reach underneath her sleeve and you feel a little latch there which must be part of the wrist blade mechanism with practiced hands you remember the million times you have relieved a woman of her wristwatch previously it is exactly it's like it's like riding a bike it's like taking a wristwatch you unlatch it the blade comes away with your hand you have disarmed her of one of her two weapons if you want you can throw it out the window behind you (laughs) yeah the window's open (laughs) Yeah, you throw it out the window behind you. While that happens, you see a man that you recognize, and it takes you a brief moment to recognize who it is, but it's the one-armed Union soldier that you saw behind the reverend. He slides into the doorway. To you, it cannot be a good thing that you are not standing in the spiritual world right now. You are standing firmly in the material world, but you are seeing a ghost. I hope nobody on this side is angry at me. The man calls out to you, They're coming! Help is on its way! And then he just fades away. 
Reverend, you're sprinting with the captain. You are probably in front. You run past where Edwards is. You see the opened flower that is Clanton. And through the doorway, you can see Katie Jean-Baptiste tearing away at Edwards. Um, in a surprised reflex, like war flashback of things I've witnessed before, I take out the marksman rifle, I point it at the back of her head, and then I fire. Do you want to aim for her head? Yep. I would say I see like his face behind her, and I I forget everything about religion or what I've been taught, and it is purely <laughs> just saving a life from a psychopath. Edwards. Mm. Katie's head explodes. I've, you are covered in gore. I weakly, I very weakly say, voila. <laughs> As Katie's corpse hits the floor, you stare at the reverend behind her. I look, I look at him in the state that he's in. We gotta go. We gotta go. And I go in as much as part of my action or my next action, I'm going to try and pick him up and run with him down. I I, I, I put a hand up. I go. I'm already gone. Well, not yet you're not, and I'm going to struggle against you to pull you out. You stupid ass, run! Marbot and the two train staff run past. They're not engaging in this. They have no dog in this fight. It's the two of you. You can see that Edwards... Ed, oh, Edwards, it's your turn. You take another point of aggravated damage. You can see that Edwards is badly wounded and bleeding out. From my medical knowledge, do I... I'm not gauging that, actually. No, doesn't, I don't give a shit. I'm dragging him out. Uh, you pick him up and you start trying to... Are you fighting Edwards? Uh, no, I guess not. The two of you stagger your way towards the rear of the train. How far are we... From the bridge. Uh, we're not there yet. So you're moving. Oh, wow. Damn it. You, you like, you, you just put him on your back. You're giving him a piggyback and you begin, uh, sprinting towards the back of the train. You, uh, I got a roll, but you might actually not even lose time. Where I walk, there's only one set of footprints because it's Jesus carrying me. Yeah, you are, you're like up the back behind the train staff, but you are keeping pace with them. As you sprint backwards, you pass at a certain point, sticking his head out is the, uh, the, the porter, Alejandro. He, sticking his head out, spots you and joins you as you're running. He was probably in the same car as Miguel, so Miguel joins you as well. And the lot of you sprint towards the back of the train. What about Singh? Oh, Singh as well. Sorry, yes. Um, well, who's is anyone stopping for Singh? Uh, I would like to think that one of the guys who were in that room with him might have helped him. The train staff is scared. Um, I'm I'm holding Edwards. I'm not going to be able to do much. Uh, so the most I'll do is, uh, someone. Well, as we enter the car, I go, Singh, Miguel, we gotta go, and then. If Singh is hobbling behind, I go, someone help him, please. And just trying to convince somebody. That's but I, I don't Actually, have you know what? You could try to convince Miguel. Sure. I will convince Miguel and I'll bring up what we talked about before. And I said, Miguel, penance starts now. I love that. 
That's very pragmatic. I really enjoy that. Miguel, he's like got underneath one arm the money. He's got the Bible in the other hand. As he's sprinting, he pauses, stops, looks at you, and then sprints back. And you see he comes out with Sing assisted with one arm and then the money bag in the other. He's left to the Bible behind. I quietly say, boy. priorities. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The lot of you sprint towards the rear of the train. Mason. Yes. Remember that verse I quoted you before? Yes, 1 Samuel 28. Sometimes you, uh, a holy man needs a witch. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And that's about as much conversation as you can have right now as you are sprinting towards the end of the train. You hear at the front of the train, as the, you hear like a difference in pressure as the front of the train has obviously gone off the edge. When that happens, the entire train down the length starts jerking as it's being forced, pulled, yanked off the train tracks. Marbot leaps out of the caboose and you see ahead of you as he lands on the train tracks in a roll and then comes kind of like to a a half standing position, sprinting still just to get like some of that energy, that momentum off him. You know, if we had jumped off of this when I said to originally, I would have stood a much better chance of surviving it. Well, you're not dead yet. After that... The two train drivers both make it successfully. Then, uh, I guess it's then the three, the two of you, actually. Uh, Daniel, the trick is tuck your elbows and roll as soon as you hit the ground. It's not the first train I've jumped off of. It's a near thing, but the two of you leap off together, slam down into the dirt and the rail behind you. It fucking canes. And by the way, you've taken two more points of aggravated damage, Edwards. Land in the dirt. And then coming up behind is Sing and Miguel. Sing and Miguel, the last two off the train, they stumble. You, looking behind you, Reverend, you can see that the train... One after the other. You're like on the bridge. One after the other, the train cars are falling off the end into the chasm below. They trip, stumble, and you can see that as they're scrambling to get back up, neither one of them looks like they're going to have enough time. The caboose is nearly over the edge. As they scramble back up to their feet, Sing is the first to realize where they are and the hopelessness of the situation. He grabs Miguel by his pants and shoves him forwards. Miguel lands outside of the caboose and Sing stares into your eyes, Reverend, with a sad expression as the caboose falls off the bridge. In addition to that, the bag of a million dollars... Lands with impact on the bridge and explodes open. The money, like it was shot out of a cannon, the money flies up into the air and begins fluttering down slowly. The money is scattered at such a degree. Miguel stands up and immediately starts grabbing at notes. But so much of the money has been scattered so far that there is like a fraction of it that will even be able to be grabbed before it slowly flutters into the chasm. Reverend, you roll over and you look at Edwards. Edwards, you feel broken, badly bruised. 
you can tell this is your last moment on earth. You, looking up at the reverend, you can see that one-armed soldier takes his hand off the reverend's shoulder and reaches out towards you. You have a final word as you, you reach out to grab his hand. Ah, well. Ah, well what? So I would like to, before I left, um, yeah, I, I reached into my pocket to pull, uh, to, to try to pull out the uh, little drawstring bag with the coin in it. Reverend, in his last action, as he said those words, you, you see that he like reaches into his pocket, produces a little bag and drops it in between the two of you and then reaches out as if to grab an arm. But it's a weak, final, futile gesture. And his arm, his arm, before it finishes the move, hits the bridge and lies very, very still. No, no, no. Oh, well, what? I take his hand and I, I hold it and I, I pull him towards me. Oh, well, oh, well, what, Edwards? Edwards doesn't respond. I gotta reach for my Bible and realize I don't have it and go. Miguel, can I borrow that Bible for a second? I, I need it. Miguel gives you a panicked look. <sighs> he doesn't say anything. But, but <laughs> you, you understand the meaning. All right, then. Then, uh, and one that I remember. <sighs> this, uh, it was my, I told you before, my, my Bible was missing the book of First Peter and. Well, I, I memorized as much as I could because I couldn't read it, and I kind of wish I read for Samuel so I could actually give you a meaningful response to what you told me, but you can bet your butt I'm going to read it when I get a, get my hands on it. But for you, uh, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God that whoever may declare his praises in him shall not perish but have everlasting life that you may have been different than what I was used to but you were my friend in this short period of time and I wish you well well make sure I bury you out here and give you a proper burial I'll make a show of it you're not sure reverend you're not sure if you imagined it or not you don't know how real this is. Some part of you has like a distinct sensation of this, but as to whether or not you believe it, that's entirely up to you. But for a brief moment, it feels as if someone's hands are on either of your shoulders, giving you a reassuring squeeze. But the moment passes. I turn around and I look back and I finally noticed the bag because I was not paying attention. And... I open it up and go, all right, you you had to write something before. Well, let's see who you want to give this to or something. I open it up. I unfurl the letter and I read uh, to whoever finds this coin. So the coin itself is, um, it's like brassed to look gold. Uh, it's larger than a dollar coin. It says yes in large letters on one side and no on the other. And then beneath it, on the yes side, it says we and ya. Yeah. And on the other side, it says no and nine. And uh, it's 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 worn. It has a very pleasing weight in the hand. 
know that it was once the untrustworthy crutch of Winchill Walter Edwards. Decisions were never a strength of mine. They took fortitude, strength, easier not to make them. I let fate decide, and often enough the results were fun. Fun. I leave this to you, lucky finder. Please tell my son, please tell my son, Walter, should you find him, that he is a finer man than I, and I am sorry. Bon chance. I'll see you on the other side. W. And on the other side of that, there's an address in Chicago. You had a kid? I'll find him. Don't don't you worry. I'll find him. All right. I, I look around and see where everybody else is. Everyone else is kind of milling about a little bit, unsure of what to do next, with the exception of the captain. The captain is kind of dusting himself off. He still has his, he ran with his rifle, so he's still got that in his hands. He slings that over his shoulder, looks back down the train path that you came along, and you hear him mutter in French, long walk ahead. He, without so much as a second glance, starts walking down the tracks. Miguel is still trying to grab at notes that are fluttering down around him. The other two, or the other three, sorry, train staff. So it's Alejandro, one of the porters, and then Olivia Esparza and Emilio Figuera. The three of them kind of look to you for leadership. The, the woman with the shovel, Olivia, as you're finishing up there, you can see she's kind of awkwardly standing nearby. She, similarly to the rifle, for some reason held the shovel the entire way down. She, standing near you, says... You you wanted to give him a burial here? Uh, yeah, I mean, place of his death you know, holds a lot of relevance. She gestures with the shovel. We'll probably need to walk back a little bit to get off the train tracks, but I can give you a hand with that. All right. Um, if we find something along the way to help signal the track that the bridge is out, that would probably be best, though. I don't know how good it'll do from here. Yeah, I think I'm still build on for another few hours. I can help you out with that. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll pick him up as best as possible, and she helps. Uh, and uh, after kind of like shaking himself out of it, Emilio helps you as well. Alejandro is wounded and limping with you, but doesn't uh, doesn't offer to help. He's quite clearly got his own problems right now. I uh, go to where there's a good patch of land. And give him a uh, as 100% of a proper burial as I can. While you're doing that, Alejandro goes and fetches like some wood or whatever to make like a cross, an impromptu marker for the grave. Actually, you know what? No, he he gets rocks. He gets like a big pile of rocks to make a cairn. And producing like a little flick knife, he offers you one of the largest rocks to carve something into. I carve for a strong friend you leave that rock on top and you head off into the republic of texas where uh you'll try to find the nearest switching station or something equivalent to send a message that the bridge is out please tell me that you were smart enough to take some of the money that i had i made sure to bury everything that you had Ugh. 